This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 674. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 674. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I hope that you are enjoying the sun wherever you are today in this August weather. I also, some of you might have kids back in school already. I saw a few posts of kids who went back in July. This is a new thing for me. I was unaware that there are some schools that now go back to school in July that are not doing like a year-round school model. So if your summer's over, I hope you're still enjoying some sun today. So I'm happy to be here as always, and I am going to talk today about the loss of a complicated parent, navigating the loss of a complicated parent. And a couple things about this episode. First of all, content warning, I'm going to be talking about the death of my father. And if this is if that's like too close to home for you, this might be an episode that you want to skip and or save for another time. It's completely fine. I also want to share that I sat trying to figure out a title for this episode for quite some time, and I landed on navigating the loss of a complicated parent, and then immediately was like, well, that's a stupid title because every parent is complicated because every human is complicated. But what I mean by this is navigating the loss when you have a complicated relationship with a parent. 
So we're going to be digging into that. We're going to be digging into navigating the loss of a parent when that relationship has just become really complicated or maybe has always been really complicated because that's definitely the case for me has been that the relationship with my dad has gotten really complicated in the last 10 years. And I've talked about it. I've referenced it a few times on the show, but I haven't talked about it in great detail. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I also have in front of me a page of notes that is completely blank except for a title. (laughs) Because I've sat down to put notes on paper about this episode so many times, and I just couldn't figure out the right starting point, and I couldn't figure out a sense of direction, and I just felt like this is something I just need to start talking about, and I feel like it will come to me, and I don't very often do that with an episode. I often have a little bit of an outline, just a few notes to kind of guide me. And I don't have that this time. I do have a couple things I've shared on Facebook that I'm going to share here that are kind of give me some have been insightful moments that I've shared on on social media that I think will help guide the conversation. But beyond that, I'm going to be kind of just going with the flow with my uh, stream of consciousness. And I will try to stay on task, which (laughs) I'm not always great at. But what I wanted to do with this episode was kind of just walk you through where I've been, where I'm at, where I'm headed with a really specific intention of sharing from a place of wanting to help people see how different relationships can be with parents and how all of that can be okay. One of the things that's happened since my father passed away is that I've gotten so many messages. So thank you so much for all the messages. Oh my goodness. Private messages and text messages and phone calls and flowers and comments on social media, on every social media platform. And it's been incredibly lovely and thoughtful and generous and kind. And it's been really affirming in so many ways. So thank you. I feel the love in such big, huge, tremendous ways. But what's been really interesting is how many people have said that they relate to my relationship with my dad in different ways and people who I thought I knew pretty well and people whose lives I had thought I already had a glimpse into. And I was like, wow, I had no idea that you had a complicated relationship with a parent. And so I thought it would be helpful if I recorded this episode for people to kind of just see what it can be like on the inside of one of those relationships, because I think it is more relatable than we all assume. Um, It's definitely more relatable than I assumed because so many people found some of the things I've shared to be relatable. And a lot of times those were people that I didn't think would be able to relate to the things that I shared. So I think I'm going to start back about 10 years ago. And I guess I should start even before that. So for the first 37 years or so of my life until about 10 years ago, I had a pretty decent relationship with my dad. My parents divorced when I was four. It was a really amicable divorce. My parents never pitted each other, uh, pitted one another against each other. My dad didn't spend a ton of time with my sister and me, but like if I called him, he picked up the phone. If I asked him to be somewhere or do something, he typically said yes. He wasn't always able to be the best father figure, but he was always like a good friend that I had in my corner. He didn't know how to parent per se, And some of that was because his dad died when he was really little. His dad died when he was two. His mom was sick for a lot of his life. She died when I was one, I believe. So he didn't have really traditional role models for parenting. And I think that that made it a little more tricky for him. I also think that my parents got divorced in like 1979. 
And divorce just looked really different then. And so like expectations for dads and like what the model of divorce looked like was so different than it is now. Like there was no such thing as co-parenting. It was like the mom did 95% of the parenting and dad saw their kids every other weekends and maybe like on Wednesdays for dinner or something. And that was never the model that we had. But we did see my dad from time to time on the weekends and we always had fun with him and he loved to goof around with us. And my, I was talking with my mom about this recently and my sister about how he when we did see him I think we were just like so eager to make him laugh and make it fun that I think my sister and I probably just drove him absolutely crazy I think we just like harassed him and just were like attention seeking and annoying I remember him picking us up to go to the anytime he would we would go to his house for the weekend he would pick us up and we would go to the grocery store because he probably didn't ever have food to feed us in his house he like never had kid food probably and unless we went to the store with him so we would always go to the grocery store and I remember like trying to like run and hide from him in the grocery store being like I was probably like eight so my sister would have been five and you all know how obnoxious that is like to have like your eight-year-old and five-year-old trying to play hide and seek in the grocery store when you're just like come on like it's Friday night at six o'clock can we just get some macaroni and cheese and go home so I can empathize a bit with like we must have been so obnoxious to him and he totally took it like a champ he would laugh it off and he was really patient with us and I have while those memories they were not frequent they were positive so we maintained a decent relationship throughout my growing up, throughout high school, college, and into my marriage. And there were bumps here and there, and we weren't in a ton of contact, but it was positive when we were in contact for the most part. I always like wanted him to take more initiative in our relationship, and that was always kind of, there was always a little bit of a rift between us where I felt like... I had missed out on that of like a dad who really just was like eager and jumping in to get involved. It was more like I had to ask um, for him to get involved, but then he usually would say yes. And it was usually great. And so that's kind of how our relationship was. We, after I had, so before I got pregnant with Vinny and while I was pregnant with Vinny, so this would have been in 2012, 2011, 2012, increasingly when we spent time together, it was difficult because his values were increasingly different than mine in a way that made it hard to stay in positive conversation. And so for context, this was when Barack Obama was president. And I was like, like, I thought Obama was great, but I wasn't like a super fan. And I certainly was not like needing to talk about like, I talk about politics way more now than I did back then. So I was just like, yeah, this is great. Like Obama, great guy. I I liked his politics. I certainly voted for him. I thought it was fantastic that he was in office. I thought he was a great leader. But I it was never like what I needed to talk about in every conversation. My dad, on the other hand, increasingly did need to talk about how horrible Obama was in every conversation. And it just became this like annoying component of our relationship. And I would come home from spending time with him. I remember we would go to lunch on a somewhat every few months we would go to lunch together. He worked fairly close to my house and I would come home from those lunches and tell my husband like, oh my God, he just like complained about Obama the whole time. And I would kind of like laugh about it. Like it was kind of annoying, but it was increasingly difficult to be around. And I would be like, okay, dad, like, can we talk about something else? And it was just increasingly difficult to find other things to talk about. And 
conversations around so many things always seemed to navigate back or he seemed to guide them back to that, which became increasingly frustrating to me. I remember he told me in one of our last conversations together, I was probably pregnant with Vinny at this point, and we were eating lunch and he's like, well, you know, since you're a successful business owner now, you basically have to be a Republican because business owners are Republicans because of like the way that you are going to be like more conservative with your money. Cause if you're making your own money, you're going to want to keep your own money and blah, blah, blah. And he launched into this like whole thing that now I was a successful business owner and was going to have to like become a Republican because of it. And I was like, I can't, (laughs) I cannot with this conversation. (laughs) I just want to like hang out and have lunch. (laughs) And so again, I came home. I remember telling my husband like, oh my God, so annoying. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. When Vinny was born, we I didn't see him right away. And I had seen him during my pregnancy multiple times and we had had lunch and it was fine. I mean, aside from this annoying political conversation, but I was really, really surprised that he was not eager to come meet Vinny right away. So when Vinny was about a month old, he finally came over, met Vinny for a really brief amount of time. It was a kind of an awkward meeting. I thought he would be really excited. He came in. He was like, oh, I can only stay for a few minutes. It's a really busy day at work, which was just like a very weird way to meet your firstborn's first child <laughs> to be like, I only have 10 minutes. But that was kind of what it was. It was just a very strange meeting. 
After that, he tried to get together with me a few times for lunch and with very short notice, and I just wasn't able to do it. If many of you know, Vinny and I both had health complications, especially in those first six months. So I would say like, dad, I can't like, I can't when you text me 30 minutes beforehand to say like, hey, can you do lunch in a half hour? I, I just I'm not able to do that when I have this newborn. And we just slowly stopped communicating as much. As that was happening on social media, he was just becoming more and more really horrifically offensive in so many ways. And probably any way that you can imagine a parent being offensive on social media, he was probably being offensive in all those ways. So I finally had to say, like, I can't have a relationship with you on social media. It's really not good for my mental health. I would love to have a relationship with you outside of social media. Uh, the ball's in your court. I would love for you to have a relationship with Vinny. At this point, Vinny was a couple, a few years old, and we had really just like not communicated much at all. So I sent him this message and saying, like, if you'd like to have a relationship with us outside of social media, I'm totally here for it. The door's wide open. Um, I'll leave the ball in your court. And I never heard from him again. So that was really, really complicated for me to process because it is unfathomable to me <laughs> that a parent would just like, never talk to a child again for within that context to just be like, oh, well, you don't want to be my friend on Facebook. I guess I'm never going to speak to you again. And that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> and it's a very strange thing. And I tried in a couple different ways to get back in contact at different times. And um, it just, it didn't work. He was absolutely like, would not communicate with me. I tried to have conversations with his wife about it, who was always so lovely, and it just, nothing went anywhere. So I had to do a lot of processing on the loss of that relationship without having any closure around it. And that was really, really hard because I kept not knowing. I was like, maybe he'll change his mind or maybe he'll come back into my life or maybe, maybe, maybe. And I also kept saying to myself and to his wife on the few times that we communicated, the door's always open, the door's always open. And it became really clear to me um, a year and a half ago, maybe, the door was not going to be open anymore. And so um, I was kind of thinking that it seemed not the right uh, mental space for me in to, for me to be in to think, think like the door's always open. But he reached out to me. So he had not had any communication with me since I sent this message that I shared a few minutes ago. He reached out on my professional Shameless Mom Academy page about a year and a half ago and just totally slammed something I put up as a post. A post, by the way, that was written for all of you, written for all the Shameless Moms. And my dad decides to come in and like, completely yell at me about local politics in Seattle <laughs> in a post that was about, and I don't even remember what the post was about, but it was like, not at all about politics. Oh, the post was like saying, like, I'm really tired because of the pandemic. Like, I'm really tired from this and that. Like, moms are just really tired right now. And he turned it into like this thing about Seattle politics. And I had literally had no communication with him since Vinny was like two or three years old. So this would have been at the time Vinny was probably eight, eight and a half. And it was stunning. It was a stunning and very defining moment. And I was like, oh, hell no. The door is closed. Like, 
you don't get to have no choose. You don't get to opt out of all communication and then come to my place of business and say something irrelevant, inappropriate. Like you were not invited into the Shameless Mom Academy and you are not welcome here. And so I, at that point, was just like, the door is closed. The door is closed. If this is how you choose to reach out to me after not communicating with me in many years, I have no space for this relationship. And with that, while that was like, again, complicated, I was actually really grateful. And I remember talking to my therapist and I said, it's so clear to me. I had for so long been like, I should keep the door open and maybe I should try to reach out this way. And maybe I should try this and that and the other thing. And I just had run circles around myself over and over trying to figure out like, maybe if I work the right angle, we could actually have a relationship. And when he showed himself in that way, I was like, absolutely not. I, we are so far from being able to align on anything at this point that I have no interest in having a relationship. So I kind of felt like that was a gift. It felt like I didn't have to make a big decision. I didn't have to keep trying to like run in circles, figuring out like a new way to try to like, maybe if I try this, like something would be different. I could just really clearly be like, nope, we're done. And that actually felt like closure to me. And so since then, I've had a lot of peace around not having a relationship with someone who is just not able to be in a reciprocal relationship at all. When I found out that he died, I was not sure what to expect emotionally after that. So he passed away a couple weeks ago, quickly, really unexpectedly, had a heart attack at home. And my sister called me and shout out to my sister who's had to do some like play the middleman here, the middle woman in navigating some of this. She called me. She told me what happened. I was not emotional in the moment. My sister was emotional, which made that piece made me emotional. But I was like, I didn't have a lot of emotions about him being gone. And in the few days after that, I was kind of like, I don't know how to feel about this. I didn't feel particularly sad. I didn't feel a huge sense of loss. I felt a little bit of peace. I felt a little bit of relief. Like, I don't have to worry and wonder if that relationship's ever going to shift or evolve or change again. One of the things that had started happening in the last couple of years is I had started thinking that I was seeing my dad in different places. And so this actually happened once in the last year at the airport. I was in the Alaska Airlines lounge and I thought I saw him and I like panicked and I was like, oh my God, that's him over there. Do I go say something? I don't know what to do. And I talked to my therapist about it afterwards and I was like, I don't know it wasn't him as it turned out, but I was like, I don't know what I would say if I saw him. And she was like, I think you should think about that. Like, what would you say? And why would you say it? And I was like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what I would say. And it was bothersome to me that I didn't know. And then I, in other contexts, would be driving down the street and be like, oh my gosh, that guy walking down the street looks like him. Or I'd be in a grocery store. Just I started having, a. it happened pretty routinely. Like once a month, I'd be somewhere and see someone and be like, that could be him. Or that looks so much like him. And what if it was? And what would I say? And so after he passed away, I kind of immediately had this like, oh my gosh, like I don't I don't feel like he could be anywhere at any time. And there was actually some relief and peace that came with that. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free 
a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. As I was processing his passing, I went to his Facebook page to see what other people were saying about him. So I had blocked him on Facebook quite a while ago. I didn't want to see his stuff, and I didn't want him seeing my stuff. He, for a really long time, had, I believe, perceived our relationship to be healthy because he followed my stuff on Facebook and liked and commented on it from time to time. So this would have been in Vinny's really early years from the time Vinny was like one to the time we stopped talking when he was two or three. He would routinely comment on things and like my posts. And I think that he thought that was like a full-fledged relationship. And that was really hurtful to me. I was like, you're making no effort to be in a relationship except for to like my Facebook post, which is just weird. That's not actually a relationship. So I had blocked him. Also, I didn't want to see his stuff. It was like so offensive. I had told him I was blocking him. It wasn't like any secret. So I blocked him. And after he passed away, I wanted to see what other people were saying. So I went to his Facebook page to see what other people were saying. And I knew that he had, he was really well connected. And he had a lot of people who really admired him for various reasons. And people who'd worked with him in all sorts of different areas and fields of work for many years. And it was actually really, really awesome to see him through other people's eyes because I got to remember these great things about him that I knew about him before 10 years ago that were really clear about him before 10 years ago. And I had forgotten those things because of all of our own junk. And it was really great to hear how special he was to other people. And I didn't feel like jealous or like, oh, they got the best parts of him or anything like that. I was just like, oh, yeah, he had that in him. And I remember that about him. And that felt really good to remember those things. So people remembered him from being this really incredible mentor. He was a mentor in many ways. He was in one career for over 25 years working for the state of Washington. And then he had during that time and after that time worked at the University of Washington teaching. He was a really thoughtful teacher. People really talked about how what a trusted colleague he was. He worked in safety for the state of Washington. So a lot of safety on big construction projects and things like that. And people just talked about how they, they always felt so safe when he was on site and how he saw things other people didn't see. And he was actually really innovative around safety, which was really cool and and paved the way for a lot of the way things were done in our state. People talked about him being this like wise cracking smart ass friend, which he definitely was. 
People talked about how he could walk into any room and speak to anyone and make other people feel comfortable when they were around him. And I remember that. I remember whenever we would go out to dinner with him, my sister and I would be so embarrassed because he would talk to everyone. And it was like we, like he would make friends with just anyone walking by the table. And I was like, oh my God, so weird and embarrassing. But you know what I do now? I make friends with like any child. Ask the people at Trader Joe's. I'm like, I will make friends with the people in front of me in line, the people behind me in line, the people checking me out, the people with helping with the bags, like the security person at the door. I'll make friends with anyone in public. I got that from him. People also thanked him on his Facebook page for the way that he greeted them every day. That like I saw Al every day and he always greeted me with a smile and easy, fun conversation. He was so trustworthy in a job that required a lot of accuracy and intention and precision. People really, really trusted him. And so it was really awesome to hear all these things about him. And as I was reading all this, I was like, oh my gosh, there are so many things in there that people would say about me, I think. And I don't say that from like a huge place of ego as much to say like I got some of my greatest skills around mentorship and teaching and connecting with other people and making space for other people and helping people feel comfortable. I got that from him for sure. And as I was reading all of these things, I was like, oh my gosh, I got the best parts of him. And that felt really good. I was able to just feel so much gratitude around that. The night that he died, as I was walking upstairs to go to bed, I had this like visceral feeling literally on my like third or fourth stair up the staircase of just literally feeling like the bullshit, like washing off my body, just coming off of me, these complicated layers just evaporating. Like the last 10 years did not matter. And I could really feel him with me and smiling and proud and really being the feeling like he was with me the same way he was for the first 37 years of my life. Like the last 10 years, we could both acknowledge like that was a lot of bullshit. We're both really stubborn. There was a lot of bullshit in there and we've both decided to let it go. And that felt like just a huge amount of peace. So I don't have regrets in our relationship. And I think that some people might think I should have regrets or maybe other people would have regrets if a parent died and you hadn't really had closure and hadn't had much communication in 10 years. But I don't have regrets. I have a lot of gratitude. I'm grateful for the ways that he challenged me to own my truth and stand in my truth, even though that did come at the cost of our relationship. I'm grateful for the therapy that I went through that really allowed me to process so much of this and have peace around this relationship before he passed away because I'm not feeling like I have to do that now in a really heightened emotional state. And I'm also just so incredibly grateful that I feel like he's back by my side. I feel like he's just back by my side cheering for me, which is something I haven't felt in 10 years. And I was laughing as I was talking about this on Facebook the other day because he always gave me a hard time for being his bleeding heart liberal daughter. And until I was 37 or so, I felt like that was a little tongue in cheek. And then it started to feel like it was mean. And like that wasn't a good thing. And like that was like meant to hurt me, to call me like it was like name calling and now I'm like, oh, no, I he, I know he's beside me cheering for me being like, you go do your thing. I got you. I don't agree with you. And I might be giving you a hard time sometimes, but like you go do your thing. Um, so that feels really, really good. After my sister called um, and told me about his passing, it became um, like immediately after I got off the phone with her, I started thinking, what was I doing right when he passed away? I needed to know, like, what was I doing in that moment? 
And so she had called me. It was a Wednesday night. She had called me at like 7.40 p.m. And she was like, dad died about an hour ago. And so when we got done talking, I stopped and was just like, okay, an hour ago, like, what was I doing? What are exactly where, what exact moment in time did it happen? And what was I doing at that exact moment in time? And so I was swimming. I was swimming at Green Lake. I was doing a a training workout for my upcoming triathlon that I'm doing in September. And I had done this really quiet, peaceful swim. And I have felt some nerves around swimming for this triathlon because open water swimming can be nerve wracking. And if you haven't done it in 18 years, as is the case with me, it just, it can, it feels a little vulnerable. And it's a harder thing to practice because you just don't know what the conditions are going to be like the day of. Every course is different. There's just kind of, there's nerves around it. But I had had this really peaceful swim and I got out of the water and I was like, I totally got this. I'm going to be fine. I'm completely qualified. And that swim was a piece where I was like, I don't know if I can get it back. I don't know if I can feel like I felt in the water 18 years ago. And on, on that swim in particular, I was like, I got this. I'll be fine for this race. And what I love about that is that I qualified myself in that moment for this upcoming event. And I was thinking about how my dad challenged himself throughout the course of his life to do things that he wasn't necessarily qualified for. So I love that in the moment that he left this earth, I was doing something to qualify myself. And that is so much of what he did all of his life. He did not have more than a high school degree, high school diploma. He never got a degree. And in spite of that, he really challenged himself professionally over the course of his career. He got a great job working for the government, which had great benefits and pay and an excellent retirement. He became a volunteer firefighter, which he took a lot of pride in. He helped people in a mental health. He worked in the same mental health hospital, a psychiatric hospital that I worked in um, long before I did. Just always doing things, challenging himself in different, challenging himself in different ways, as he built a career path for himself. He was a teacher at the University of Washington, and he loved to brag about that job because he was like, "I'm pretty sure I'm the only person teaching at the University of Washington that doesn't actually have a college degree. Like, take that. You don't even need a degree in college to teach at the college." He was so proud of that job, and his students loved him. After he retired from his job with the state, he got this really fantastic job working for a huge construction company here in Seattle, doing safety for them. And it was the highest paying job he'd ever had. And he was so proud of it that he like post-retirement, like hit this milestone in his career that was like this great title and this great salary and all these things. And he just was super qualified. Like he was so qualified for all of it, but he was qualified because he qualified himself over and over and over again. He never waited for someone else to do it for him and he never needed anyone else's permission. He just had something to prove and he kept proving it to himself over and over. And as I was thinking this through and recognizing where I was when he passed away and how I was in the process of qualifying myself and how he always qualified himself, I was like, oh my God, like we were just so much alike so much alike. And so people keep telling me that grief is a roller coaster and to buckle up for this ride. And it might be a roller coaster and it might keep being up and down, but right now I'm just feeling like I've gotten to embrace the pieces of my dad that meant a lot to me in the first 37 years of our relationship. I've gotten to release all the bullshit and I've gotten to see how our similarities 
have been some of the biggest gifts in my life because they've been the things that have informed my career, informed the way that I show up, informed the way that I build relationships. And it's so ironic that like the same things that tore us apart are actually the same things that made us so much alike. And I'm really grateful for that. So that's how I'm doing with this loss. That's how I'm navigating this. And I know that every relationship with parents, with any parent or caregiver or primary um, adult in your life is so different. But I think it helps to share our stories. And I think it helps to talk about it. And it helps to process and it helps to look at it from different angles and to look at it from like a standpoint of like, I'm really grateful for this. And I have peace around this. And also, it's okay, if you're still mad, or you're still sad, or you have regrets that all of that gets to be okay. So this is just my story. And it's where I'm at. And I'm hoping that it might bring some peace to someone else. I think that we aren't raised to think that it's okay to end a relationship with a parent. And I'm someone who did that. And I didn't set out to do that. But ultimately, it's basically what happened when I set a boundary. And it's okay to set a boundary. I don't regret setting that boundary. And for many reasons that I haven't had time to get into on this episode, I know that was the right boundary. I know there would have been an incredible amount of stress and turmoil in my life over the last 10 years if I had not set that boundary. So I know I made the right choice. Um, and so if you are in a similar situation, or if there's anything here that overlaps with things in your life, just trust your gut and know that it's okay to do things differently than the people around you and to do things in unconventional ways. It's okay to take care of yourself and prioritize yourself. And you might not know what you need to do right now, but keep listening inward as you are navigating the hard times in relationships. And if you're grieving the loss of a relationship, give yourself permission to look back on it with a lot of grace and to look and hold on to and embrace those parts that allow you to feel some gratitude and let some of the bullshit roll off of you. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you for letting me share and process. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the ways that you show up for me when I need it. I love you all so much. I'm so grateful for this community. And thank you so much for being here and listening today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.